You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSB Magazine's co-founders Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at Nintex.com. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. And here we go, audio signals. I'm still defining what it is, but I think the whole point is to not define it. So whatever kind of conversation we want to have, and today I say we, but I'm using the royalty we as me, myself, because Sean, it's, uh, it's not part of this conversation. But it's these audio signals, it's this channel where we decided that whatever we find interesting, whatever grab our attention, we're going to have a chat. And so today, even if it sounds like I'm talking to myself, I'm actually here with uh, a new friend of mine that I connected with through a new venture that I am part of. Well, the venture has been going for a while, but I just joined not too long ago, which is the Mentor Project. And uh, Dr. Susan Barnstone, she's been part of it for I don't know, we'll ask how long, but she's joining us. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk about what about her, what she does, and we're going to talk about mentoring and what the Mentor Project is and, and maybe some other things as well. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Marco. I am so excited to be here in conversation with you today. This is just an honor, and I know it's going to be a treat for both of us as well as for the listening audience. Absolutely. We have so much fun when we're in conversation. I know. I kind of wanted to record the first conversation that we had, which was just a Zoom call just to meet each other, and, and we just kept going and going because we actually do share a lot of common passion, and I, I think we'll, we'll get there. So let's start from the beginning, and the beginning is tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do, and, uh, and then we go from there. Great. Thanks again, Marco. So, um, you know, my name is Dr. Susan Bernstone. I'm actually a systems psychotherapist. I've in the field of mental health for over 35 years. I've worn many different hats, many different settings. I'm also a television talk show host and producer on public access. And that was also part of our, our excitement uh, in our discussion. And I am a professor of psychology and I'm a mentor with the Mentor Project. 
And I know that that's, first we're gonna focus on that. So, and that's how we met. We met through a, a call on the Mentor Project and then we had our own discussion and uh, we'll see where we go from here. So I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah. I, I This kind of conversation, uh, really easy. I call it the, the podcaster's podcast or, because you know how it goes and I don't know, maybe I'll be the guest, you'll be the host, that's, that's fine. I love it, love it. <laughs> Let, that's, let, my, that's my comfort spot, actually, to ask the questions instead of answering them. I know. And actually, I know that you just did something uh, moderating a conversation with the Mentor Project, which I haven't catched on yet. Which but one? Uh, um, I think it was the one um, about the presentation of a book. About oh, Ruth Chance, the success. Yes. yes, yes. We had a great conversation with the launch of her book. That was great. You should definitely check it out. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that first. So the Mentor Project, it's a, a lot of people with, with a lot of experience in their own field. And we're talking about astronomy. We're talking about medicine, psychology. I mean, there is editors, there is people like yourself, and there is also other people that are a little bit more technical, maybe software yeah. developer, teachers. And they all get together because of Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> that she Debbie put together Heiser, this thing. Right. Debbie Heiser is the co-founder of the Mentor Project. It was really her brainchild. And what she's put together, and you know, I like to call it a movement. <laughs> I when I when I first found out about it and I got involved, I was like, this isn't just a non-for-profit. This is a movement that you've got going here. So I met Debbie a few years ago, right actually, right before the pandemic start, started. I uh, met her at a think tank conference and then we kept in touch and we actually got together live right before the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic hits and then we're all like, okay, and we belong to a, a, an organization, this think tank. So we connected through that again, through the virtual world. And then I became a little bit involved in like, what can the Mentor Project do? And we were all just responding to a societal crisis. So I was really did my show uh, in studio. So I said, well, you know what? Let's just put stuff together. I'll do a weekly. We will, you know, well, let's see what we can help people with. So that's what we did. We didn't think about it. It was just like, okay, let's put a Zoom together and every week, It'll be like, ask Dr. Susan. Just to, It was really came from wanting to just help people deal with all sorts of things that they were experiencing, whether it be work-related issues, whether it be personal. It was really just to say, okay, this is the pandemic. We're all really in, in, in almost, we're all, all in crisis mode, um, in transition, not knowing what. So let's just gather and we'll see what we can figure out. And then as time went on, I got some, uh, uh, experts on to talk about what they're doing. And then it just morphed into like a year's worth of shows. And it was great. It was really helpful. Now, the Mentor Project really is focused on STEM, really the sciences, the technology. And that's why you have so many people that are doing that. Um, so I help people with um, the talk show stuff, as well as um, I, I call myself the Mentor Project cheerleader because I'm always cheering <laughs> for them. So it's really uh, just a lot of fun. And we have some stuff that we're planning now for the future. So it'll be interesting. 
I what I love about it, I'm still discovering and I'm working on what I'm going to be mentoring about, but it's going to be um, probably about radio communication and podcasting and and maybe some other uh, branding, personal branding. And and I know we talked a little bit about this because, you know, you, you could probably do the same thing because <laughs> you, you've done it. And I love what you said when when you said, you know, something happened, a crisis happened, and we just say, you know what, let's, let's just shuffle a few things. We have the technology to do it. And, and this is something that a lot of people have been doing in the, in the television industry. And I mean, radio was already not much of in person anyway, but people recording from home, concert happening where people will play on Zoom, not even being in a, in a room together. I mean, this is about creativity of, and resilience of people. And thanks for the technology to do this. And, and I got this feeling from, from the, the meetings that we're having with the Mentor Project where everybody's just excited to be part of it. It's truly amazing that she and her team have really been able to get so many mentors and, and, and what they do, and it's, it's always, people are always amazed that they've been able to do this, is they get top people in the field just giving their expertise away for free, you know, because they just want to help. And, and I think it's, you know, part of it is the people, you know, there's that, there was an expression that I heard a long time ago. It's, is when you're excited to be with certain people, when there's an energy and you have shared values, just get together and you'll figure it out. And that's almost what it what what happens with the mentor project. Like everybody's just really good. And they, you know, everybody really has this desire to give back. And it doesn't matter where one is in their career, it doesn't matter where they are, you know, in terms of age. It's just we get together and people really want to mentor others. And so the call that you came to, you got to meet us because the mentors actually get together and mentor each other on all different topics. But the mentor, what the Mentor Project does, as you know, and I know you've spoken with other people as well, is really go out in all over the world. I mean, they do, we do a lot of different things in terms of mentoring in the schools, mentoring direct children on a, a variety of different topics related to STEM. Um, the, the things that started in the past couple of years were world, worldwide, and they, it went, they've gone on to get patents in the industry of, of masks and different technology, and it's really been an amazing thing to watch. The other thing I was involved in was interviewing a lot of the people from the Mentor Project, and that went up on, on, uh, on television as well as virtual, and doing the hackathons, where there was the hackathons with the kids, and it was really worldwide. It was just, it's phenomenal what's happening there. So he, here's a I love, always love to look into the future. I think it, I don't know, maybe I watched too many sci-fi movies <laughs> as, a, as a kid, but what do you see happen for your show and and for the Mentor Project once, as, and I'm crossing my finger, of course, there's a podcast, you can see it, we go back to normal, whatever normal is. Do you see that? Do you feel like there is a lesson learned here and we're going to actually keep doing things differently or we're going to just back and roll back what it was before? What's your feeling on this and what are your plans? Well, you know, it's a great question. This is something that actually I'm working on because um, one of my recent specialties or focus of interest now 
is helping people to transition. You know, we say go back, but really we're never going back. You can never go backwards. So it's, and everybody's in a different place, whether it's personal, professional, both. And wherever you were on the spectrum of, there was lots of people that really didn't stop their lives that much. And then there are people like I know you and I, we, we stayed inside a lot of the time. So there's this continuum of what was affected and we're not never going back. So I'm really interested in going to be doing interviews with people to see where, how are they transitioning forward and back, right, into more of a, a life out there as opposed to being on in inside whatever stuff. But what is that going to look like? What are some of the barriers? What are some of the challenges? And what can we do to help? Right? Because there's some core things that people can do. So I think it's forever going to change. I mean, you know, you know, we've talked about this, lots of people talk about this, that it really forced some people into thinking, what do I want to be spending my time doing? So I, I, I think that because it's gone on for so long now, it wasn't just a month, it's two years. I'm not so sure people are going to lose that. I think that it's still going to be on the minds. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out how people are, uh, what they're looking at. And, and, you know, with this whole, you know, are they going to work from home some days and go back into the office? People change professions, change personal lives. People may want to travel more or less. So it's going to be interesting to see. And how tech, and you know, what's so interesting, and you're the expert on this. So we're moving forward. We're coming out now, right? A little bit more like in certain communities. And we're hoping by spring that we're going to be able to be out. And at the same time, technology is advancing. And at the same time, there's more things that people are going into tech. You know, we know we're going to discuss this on a future podcast, but with the increase in technology, people are actually withdrawing from being out there and they're going into these virtual worlds. So two things are happening or several things are happening at the same time in the future. It's going to be really interesting to watch this. I have to hold myself for not going into this conversation right now, because as you said, we're going to have another one of these, and it's going to be about redefining society, which is honestly a conversation that I have constantly on exactly the topics that you said. But one thing that I want to say, thinking about mentoring, and maybe let's talk about what mentoring means, because you know, when people think about mentoring, I feel like they, they think about one-on-one, right? Somebody that with a certain ex- expertise, it take you under his wing and it teaches you and, you know, kind of like, especially if you think about the old mentors in the Greek, you know, classic Greek culture. But now you can do that and you can reach so many more people because of this. And a quick point on this is conferences, right? All the cybersecurity conference that we usually go, like, Las Vegas or San Francisco, Singapore, and it's like, it costs money. It costs time. And so it's almost for an elite of people that can afford to go there. Or the companies can pay for it. But once COVID hit and they did the, either the completely virtual or the hybrid, they realized that like, hey, instead of 30,000 people, which is a great number, we're talking about 300,000 people because People are following us, the the talk, the the panels, and all of that from places because all they need is an internet connection. And and so I don't want to lose that. 
I think from a technology perspective, we need to keep developing these. And sure, let's go back together. That's important. But let's not, you know, let's not shut down the TV. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be blended, right? So you could have people, you know, it's so interesting because we did this. So on, on um, some people might already know this because it's been written about and it's been talked about. So in addition to doing stuff with the Mentor Project, I also put out there through this organization a, a Saturday night happy hour, a, a Zoom meeting. And it was just, you know, holidays started to happen and people weren't getting together with families. So I said, all right, we'll meet. So we did a Saturday night happy hour. Well, it's two years later and we're still meeting every Saturday night. And so over the summer, when people started to get together live, what did we do? We blended it. So there were some people that were together live and then we got on the computer or on somebody's phone and we still had the group coming in. So as you were talking about the conferences, why not? Why can't we do that? You know, do both. Some pe some people will be live, and it'll be it will also have them on the computers. And you can just connect with your phone, even if you're sitting in a park or we are with other friends. You can do that. Okay. Let Let's switch a little bit here, because because of your expertise and and your career, where you worked on you know relationship and helping people, and what does mentoring means to you personally? You know, it's interesting because personally, I didn't really become so aware of it and utilize it, you know, in, in being mentored until very late, until recently have I, since I, I spoken, I've been in touch with Debbie and, and uh, at the beginning of the pandemic and got into the mentor project. It's, it's so interesting because now once you kind of have that lens um, you see the world differently. So now I'm in conversations with people. I'm like, oh, they're mentoring. That's lateral mentoring, what they're doing. So what mentoring means to me, it's really about taking whatever it is that you might be either wanting to mentor somebody on or they're requesting you to mentor there on or you want to be mentored on. And sometimes it's very specific. So it's something that you identify as a need. Like I'll use Ruth, for instance, you know, you mentioned her earlier about her book launch when she first started the show that she's doing on uh, the For the Mentor Project, where she gets together highly successful people and she interviews them. I she asked me, she called me up and she said, can you help me with my online presence? I could you mentor me on that? So I specifically mentored her about that. And it's it's just you know a skill that I knew that I had that I helped her with. So I think it's very it's skill identified and specific at times. It doesn't always have to be because sometimes you can find that you're mentoring someone or you're, you're needing help with something. And then it's through that mentoring process that it comes out. And what's, what's so, there's a couple of things that's so great about it. One is for the actual mentor. Now, I love giving back, and I've spent my career really helping others. So for me, I know what it's like to really help others. A lot of professionals haven't had that opportunity. They specialized, whether it was in technology or a skill or finance or a, a part of business, but they didn't see it as really helping others, even though we know they were, but they weren't really identifying it from a personal satisfaction. And when you mentor, and, and the research, and, and Debbie talks about this, is the gratification and the joy that you get 
from mentoring someone else, that you're taking what you know, what your expertise is, and you're giving to someone else. And you can be at any place in your career or age. You know, it's so interesting. My daughter's 25, and she was telling me a story last night. And I went, oh, you're mentored. You, me you mentored them. She did a recording for someone, and it was somebody that she knew that ended up getting the recording. It was given to her to that person by their boss to teach her a skill, and it was ended up being the same person. So it's really interesting that you can sometimes you're mentoring people and you might not even know it. Like she did a, a an instructional video, and now she's mentoring many people that she's not aware of. We're all doing that. I love that you said that because as you're saying that, I'm like. Uh, two questions. One that I'm going to definitely go into when Debbie comes on the show, which she already has a booking for recording. And so we're going to talk about that, yeah. which is the age part, right? I mean, many people think, oh, in order to be mentor, you need to have a white beard and or, you know, or be in a certain age and, uh, and have a ton of experience. But that you just brought that example where Aren't we all mentoring in a way or another? Someone is just sharing your experience. This and you know, yeah, and for me, what's great is it, it gives people, like if you think about it of your, like when I think about my wanting to be mentored at something, it frames it differently about asking for help. And we know we're in a society where we don't really ask for help too much. And, and I know even for me personally, it kind of opened up the door. Like I can go over to someone and say, well, would you mentor me on this? And that's different than using the word help, right? Because you're not saying do this for me. You're not saying help me. You're, but you are asking for help, but in a way that just makes you feel both empowered and you're empowering the other person. You have a skill that I want help with and I could use. And so please mentor me on this. Yeah. I think we put too much weight on it. And I think that's the reason why many people don't do it because they're like, well, I don't have the time to do it. Uh, I don't have the resources. I'm not really a mentor. I don't know how to teach. Um, but then you see the posts they make online. And I'm talking about a lot of people in the cybersecurity industry. I mean, they're experts and they like to give back to the community. Yeah. And so I'm like, you are mentoring. You're just not realizing it. So yeah, I, I love what you I love what you said there. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience in the in the in the TV with the, with the public um, channel. With what have you done? And again, I mean, I go back to what it meant to you. I mean, I know you like it, so I'm not pushing you. <laughs> <laughs> So I was always on my bucket list. Yeah, you know, I was always had a fascination with media. And, you know, I'm of the age where TV was the thing, as well as radio. And, uh, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, you've mentioned this, right? Podcast, it's radio. A podcast with a video, it's a video. It's, it's, it's like a program. Right? We're just using different words. So um, I always was, was wanted to have a talk show. And uh, in fact, when I did my dissertation for my doctorate, it was on the impact of television talk shows on therapy and therapists. So I always had an interest from in a variety of different ways uh, of, of, and I wanted, I always wanted to do my own show. So finally I said, you know what, let me do it. So I learned a lot about public access. I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and there's a, a, a really great, uh, it's called Brick. 
and uh, it's a, a great organization and they have a lot of resources and they are doing the public access for Brooklyn. So without getting too far into what public access is, it's well, really, I'll tell you what it is. So every it's, there's, there's regulations, but if you look on your television, every single television in the country has to have several channels that's for the public to have to be able to put on it in different organizations will manage it in different places in the country. So that's the short version. Um, and so I decided to initially, it was really about destigmatizing mental health. And, and that was my, that was one of my initial goals, but I needed to get out of the therapist hat because I'm a therapist. So I wanted to talk with people, but not as a therapist, as an interviewer. So what I, I took classes on every aspect of television production. So I know a little bit about everything. I'm not an expert in any of those things, but I know enough about each thing. And, um, and then I just brought people on and I scheduled them. They came on and I was practicing my interviewing as opposed to doing therapy. So I talked to really interesting people about lots of different things and I just went with it. And as you do, you know, it just, it turned out really great. And then um, kept doing it, and uh, you know it's it's time consuming, but it's it's great. And what I what I found was that I was not just looking at mental health issues. I started because when I, the first couple of shows, I didn't want to do it with people that were struggling with mental health issues because I felt like I was going to become being the therapist mode. So I got other people. You know, I got people who own restaurants and are uh, um, music producers. I had musicians, and and I so I went that route to hear their stories, uh, and it was great, and I loved it. And so that's what I'm. And I'm. I'm I took a break, and now I'm back doing it. I love it. Uh, there is a pleasure in doing it, and I don't know. I mean, I think you can learn, but it's also about the way you are, right? I mean, if you're an introvert, it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying you can't do it. I mean, I know a lot of podcasters that are introvert, but they bring their own style. They don't try to be someone else. And that's the thing that I really don't like. You know, when you're like, in order for me to be liked, um, I want to be the, I don't know, the new Johnny Carson. Now we go really back in time, right? But, but, but I love that you said that, you know, you just studied talk show. I watched a documentary the other day about the history of talk show in America. And it was really, really cool. But but it's kind of like you can tell they love what they do. I don't think they're faking it. It's just like, you know, sit down and have that conversation. But it's kind of like now, instead of having, you know, we're just doing it in front of a microphone. Exactly. But it's we could be doing it in a coffee shop. I mean, I know I would be exactly the same person. Yeah, the only difference for me, and there is a difference, when I go into, um, and even on here, right, when we're talking, I'm aware that there's an audience and when I'm in the, and I'm, I, I'd be interested to, I'm sure you do this because I've listened to some of your podcasts, so I do know you do this, is that in addition to the conversation, I'm always thinking about what the audience would want to hear. Yeah, and I love it, it. And, love it. And that's when I ask like my best questions, but sometimes I'll say, you know, my, the viewers probably want to hear this or they would want to know. So that's, that's the difference. And, you know, I'll, I'll share a quick story because it's really funny. So when I, I, you know, learned you do a pre, a very quick pre-interview with your guest. So my very first guest, and I, you know, it was different for me. So I, somebody referred this guy to me and he was going to be my very first guest on my show. And I was speaking to him to see if he was a good candidate. 
So I get on the phone with him. We have this brief conversation. I learn a little bit about what he does. And then he says, well, you know, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, what? And he said, I did time. And my immediate reaction was yes, because I found it really interesting. Now, at that moment, I realized, oh, my God, I was just in a talk show hat. Because if I was in my therapist hat, my reaction would not be great. He time. <laughs> it would have been like, oh, really? You know, it would have been more of the sympathy. Mm. And I went, and it was an interesting thing because when I hung up, I went, oh, I'm really taking on that role differently. And you can see how people change when they think about ratings and how it makes it more interesting people's stories. So that was an interesting a realization for me with that shift. I think it is. I, I do. I do the same thing, and I I said the the coffee shop example because with you right now there is really nothing script, and we're just having a chat. So that's that's the way I feel. Yeah. yeah. But if I'm if I am uh, moderating a conversation, a panel, of course, yes, I always think about what would the public ask, yeah. even if I know the answer. Sometimes, most of the time, I don't. But I'm like, hmm, what is the, are we going over their head? Right. Like, let's maybe bring it down a notch, maybe like elevate it. So I love the fact that you said we need to always think about. Yeah, and clarify sometimes, yeah. right? Like sometimes, and it's, you know, what's great is when I find that when um, I'm talking to someone in an industry that I know nothing about, I'm asking better questions, especially for the audience, because sometimes when we're too into it, we're not even realizing that the audience may not know the initials of things. So uh, really, in fact, I did an interview with Jen, JJ Snow from The Mentor Project. I, think I love know. JJ. So JJ Snow, uh, that interview was so great because I was so ignorant about so many things that she was talking about. But I'm like, wait, doesn't it mean, isn't it, aren't hackers bad? And it was just opened up a whole great conversation. Yeah, yeah, great people. That's actually how I got connected with the Mentor Project through JJ. And I got introduced to her through another amazing hacker, which is in our language, it's a good thing. So to be a hacker is a good thing. You know that now. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Going back to the mentoring, what does mentoring mean to you? Um, I, I am kind of figuring it out as, as we go. But I, I always think about going back to the time. It's funny you asked me this question because I was going to ask you a question about teaching and how that connects with mentorship. So I'm going to go the other way around because you asked me that. You're going to ask a question? With I'm going to ask a question with an answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go. But yeah, when I, think about, when I think about mentoring, I think about the teachers that I loved when I was in school or in college at the university they were the one that were they were sharing their knowledge of their experience instead of here's the book study it uh, memorize all this stuff i was really bad at memorizing things i needed to understand what the concept was and that's probably one of the reasons why you know i'm not good at math or anything like that i'm more like a humanistic type of guy but it's also because I had the right teachers in the in this kind of fields where it was more of a they were sharing their knowledge. And they I think another thing that is important is that at the same time they were learning how to do that 
getting a feedback loop with with the student. So for me, mentoring is, and we'll see how that goes more with the mentor project, but is is having a conversation. It is not is a non not a one way thing, but is a two ways, and even three. Because you're also, as you say, you're learning from the mentors as well. So it's it's kind of like creating a community. You say it's a movement. I, I believe that's what it is. And it can be a movement, a great class in college or in high school. It could be a movement where everybody is excited and participate, right? So for me, that it's create excitement in learning and and when you have Debbie back on, she talks to this. She gives a great talk about uh, um, lateral mentoring and, and bringing in people, you know, doctors needing mentoring and mentoring each other from the different departments and skills. But, you know, Marco, when you were talking um, just now, one of the things that kept coming to my mind was this idea that popped in about caring. And caring is something that's very important to me. That's one of the things that I pride myself in with all of my work, especially as a therapist and really in anything that I do. And I care about people. Like I truly, I, I truly care about people. And, and when you were describing your teachers, what I kept hearing in there was they sound like they cared, that they cared that you got the information, that they weren't just saying, okay, here's the formula, but it was like, how can I teach it so that they can learn it? And they were interested. And I think that that's an important piece about mentors, that to be a good mentor, you need to care about your mentee, that you need to care about them learning. And the, the opposite, the other way, right? The, as you said, it's a two-way street because, it, you know, and um, I think it was both Ruth and Debbie that talk about this. What is it like to be a good mentee? And what do you, you know, what, like, so if you want somebody's mentoring, what do you need to do in order to have them mentor you? Because sometimes you can, there are people that have not been good mentees. And as a mentor, you don't want to really mentor somebody who doesn't want to be mentored. They may say they do, but if they're not showing up, and then what do you do with that and setting boundaries? But the, the, the going back to the idea of caring, you know, the mentor has to care about wanting to mentor and the mentee has to be in it and really care about being mentored. And what, what do you think it could be, if there is any, a difference between being a teacher and being a mentor? Like, you think it's the same thing? Because I kind of went to it's kind of the to, same thing, but I don't think so. And I'm th it's a good, it's a great question actually because I'm I'm both right. So I'm right. a professor, so I teach psychology, and I think at times I might mentor my students. But when I'm teaching, I think it's related, but it's different. I think it's it's you know as a, a teacher, your um, your task is to provide the information, especially with online teaching. It's a little bit different. I think the mentoring is really more specific and more intimate in some ways. You know, whereas teaching, you're teaching a whole big piece of, of a grand piece of knowledge. Where I, and I don't know, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if this is right, but I'm just telling you from my perspective that it's more specific when you're mentoring. You know, you, 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 you could decide to mentor a specific task. It's really interesting. And I, I guess maybe it's more about a person creating a personal relationship. I mean, yeah. you're not you're not going to go test someone. You're not doing it for exactly. for the yeah. final ends of okay, you're going to graduate, you're going to get 
you know, your doctorate or your PhD, or you're going to go to the next year, right? Yeah. It's more about, I don't know, I, I think you'll go back to what you say. It's about caring. Um, yeah. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, before we start wrapping, and maybe we tease a little bit about the conversation we will have next, Anything that you want to add uh, for the mentor project and um, what do you see yourself? I mean, what, what is your next things that you're going to do there? Are you going to keep doing this conversation, having this conversation as you were having with other mentor or, I mean, you're, you're a professor. So what, what's your, what's your vision for the next step? There's a few different things, you know, when we, we might do panels, that's definitely on, you know, on, on what I'd like to see happen because there's so many mentors that can have really good conversations from different fields. And it has, uh, those conversations have produced lots of different things. We've, uh, I've done the, covered the hackathons that they had in the past. So I'm also looking at perhaps, and I'll give a hint to this. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I, I know, um, one of the interests is um, teaching people um, emotional intelligence in the workplace, because I think in addition to all of the tech, the technology, as well as the skill and the knowledge of science and, and business and all of that, you have to know how to talk to people and relate to people and, and how to do that. So I think the emotional intelligence piece is something that I'd like to see. I don't, you know, I don't know how that's going to work yet, but I have some ideas. And again, also talking about going back into the, again, we're using the word back. We're not, we're really going forward, but integrating, reemerging after the, through the pandemic, it's going to become a, an, an, um, an endemic, you know, it's not going to be a pandemic hopefully soon. So what is, what is that going to look like? How do people adjust? I started working with businesses around this when they first started to go, when we thought it was going to be better and back into the office and helping people to adjust and companies to adjust. So perhaps around that as well. If there is one thing that I really, really don't like it, and in the cybersecurity industry, they use that a lot. And in technology, it's the difference, the dichotomy between hard skill and soft skill. Right. And, and emotional intelligence, it's considered a soft skill. I'm like, no, that actually, first of all, I don't like... <laughs> you know, soft or hard definition, but they're all equally important if you're in an environment that you're with other people. So I business, think that's great. Business is personal, right? Like, you know, it used to be the old adage that it's business, it's not personal. I don't believe, no such thing. Business is personal, personal is business. You, you, you have employees, they're personal, they're human beings. And you have to deal with them in a way because if you don't invest in that, you know, then then what are you going to have? Right? It's society is so much more complex now, right. and and I think I'm I'm throwing a hint here for our conversation. Let's let's do that. Okay. So when when we come back next time, we're going to talk about the the reality and and digital reality. And uh, maybe if there isn't really a line anymore in between the two. I'm a big fan of there isn't, or is very, very blurry <laughs> if there is one. But I think that the, your perspective is going to be great because of a lot of reason. And that's why I'm very excited about it. First of all, first of all it's the psychological 
view on that because sociology and psychology is a big factor in understanding this. And I think we need to invest more into understanding this instead of saying, eh, that's online, that's offline. Uh, well, at this point, that's where our lives are. And then the other one is the fact that you are passionate about social, uh, not mass media, you know, radio, TV, and, you know, how that is changed when the internet changes. It's not somebody talking in a box anymore, either a radio box or a TV box, but we are interacting with each other inside that box. And I think that's going to be the great conversation that, that we're going to have. So if you... If you want to anticipate some of your thoughts, we, we can have a couple of minutes of that and uh, and then we say goodbye. Yeah, great, Marco. You know, it's so there's so many layers to this, right? There's so many things just came to my mind as you know, as you were talking. First of all, it's the mix, right? So now we have even this, when we do sometimes when we do a Zoom show, we go live and we do it on Facebook. You have people interacting with the TV show. And on, on TV now, you have the, the audience interacting live and following that. Then you have all the different, the virtual reality worlds, the gaming worlds. You know, when I think about what the gaming world, and I don't want to give too much away because there's some fun stuff that I know that people talk about, you know, they take on different identities in the gaming world. It is amazing what happens in that in the gaming world that's very big in terms of um, gender uh, and, and what goes on in there. And it's, it's it very interesting. And then there's also technology being used. I was just, someone was just telling me about a program um, that's used for kids who are going through chemo treatment and how there's a whole a, a game around teaching them to get the cancer cells. So it's like a killing the cancer cells kind of game. And so when they go, I mean, it's amazing how technology can just be so helpful, right? And so on, you know, with PTSD, with so many different things. So Absolutely. And, and that, that's you, important. And there's the danger that are people going to get lost in the virtual world and be able to just do put the glasses on and be able to have all these euphoric experiences without human interaction. So it's, it's both. It's a humongous conversation. And I love that you just gave some positive and some negative because there is both. And when we look at the news, I don't know, bad news sell. So <laughs> that's usually what you hear about the metaverse, you know, all the bad things that can happen there. But there is so much that's been done. And you just brought a couple of really good examples of that. So that was a shameless teaser for our next conversation. So for all of you listening and, uh, and wanted to be part of that conversation, of course, stay tuned with ITSP Magazine, The Mentor Project. And this conversation is going to happen even more. There'll be more mentors. Uh, Debbie, the found, one of the co-founders, is going to be on, uh, I think, next time. And, uh, and Susan... I, I'm looking forward to this conversation, but to also many more. So you're always welcome to come to 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 our show. And, you know, I'll sit on the other chair if you want to. Thank you. I was just going to say, absolutely. <laughs> I just love what you're doing with all of your work. Um, you know, I've had a chance to listen to some of your other stuff, and it's just really great what ITSP is doing. And I really can't wait to meet Sean. I look forward to seeing him, too. 
and um, this is great. Yes, you are going to be a guest on my show as well very soon. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully your listeners will be able to hear that conversation as well. And this is just great, Marco. I'm so grateful and I really look forward to the future conversations and collaborations. Thank you so much. Wonderful. I'll see you next time. And everybody stay tuned and there'll be maybe connection, I mean links uh, to connect you with the Mentor Project because uh, it's important that you learn about it. So let's not forget, that's, uh, that's a must. You, yeah, you got to link, click on the link. Yeah, mentorproject.org, right? There you go. Yeah, thank you. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at nintex.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, and some even beyond that.